right. Thank you for joining us for the Emmanuel Life podcast. Terry, this is our fifth podcast. The last two I did with our son, Sam, which was really fun, Mm -hmm. talking about his walk with the Lord and um, how he experiences the uh, revelatory work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And um, it's great to have everyone tuning in. We are going through the book of James in our homespun kind of way. So our approach is that we just uh, read uh, the passage that we're going to be talking about and then just speak from our hearts uh, what we have prayed about. We've dialogued about it a little bit and prayed it through. And of course, we've read the book of James a lot through the years, many times. And it's one of, one of uh, our favorites. Of course, it's a, a practical theology. James is like down to the action. You know, he's an action guy. Down to living out our faith in very practical ways. So let me say a prayer. Lord, we just thank you for uh, our audience today. And we pray that you would touch each person by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures as we just read together and talk about it. Give us wisdom, Lord, like chapter 1 says, to apply your perspectives into our lives. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit would go deep into the reaches of our spirits and into our hearts and bring about the value shifts that you have for us, that we would more wholeheartedly embrace the uh, values of Jesus and the ways of Jesus that are reflected in this passage. And Lord, that you're spirit would work mightily in our lives and deeply to bring about lasting transformation in Jesus name. So uh, here we are Terry. Uh, Yes we are. Yeah chapter two Uh, we're going to do the first part of chapter two uh, uh, for this uh, podcast so that goes through uh, verses one to thirteen. So I'm just going to read it to us. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not murder, sorry, For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. 
So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The first thing that comes to my mind as I hear this is the verse 3 part about if you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing. To me, it's really a big issue who we are paying attention to. So I would just ask that question. Who are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to people without partiality? How do we pay attention to people equally? Seems like paying attention is what grabbed my attention when I read this passage. Yeah, and I think it's it, it also speaks to a value of the kingdom of God that we do pay attention to people. You know, as he says in chapter one, be quick to hear. So the whole art of listening and paying attention and tuning in to people, attuning ourselves is the term that's used sometimes, attuning ourselves to people. And not just listening on the surface, but listening with our entire being to other people is a way of loving them. And our culture is short on paying attention to people because we're distracted. That's the truth. And we're sometimes so caught up in our own thoughts and in our own worlds that we're not really paying attention to other people. Yeah, we live in a very distracting world. And, but this is even a deeper issue than that. It's about choosing to pay attention to one person over another. And I'm just uh, convicted by it about the need to pay equal attention to people wearing fine clothes who have money that they can give us and resources they can give us and people who may come into our churches without an expectation of being paid attention to at all. Um, I can imagine a person with a lot of resources is used to people paying a lot of attention and paying special attention to them and they come in with that expectation and people who are not well off and have some deficiencies in their life feel like nobody will pay attention to them and sometimes they don't want anybody to even draw attention to them so I think we're being asked to supersede that to transcend that Mm -hmm. and to show equal attention to people with the kind of care and the kind of heart that Jesus has for them yeah and I think scripture bears out that God pays attention to the poor Mm -hmm. in a particular way Mm -hmm. and so sometimes creating a level playing field involves paying more attention to the needy than to the well-off That's true. Uh, in order to bring the level ground that I think James is trying to create here in the church culture mm-hmm. is we, we don't have a better standing before God because of our resources. And, and I, I like verse 1 when he says he calls Jesus the Lord of glory and it's in the light of his glory that we can overcome the problem of partiality because we're more captivated by who he is Mm -hmm. and his beauty. Glory implies riches. He's the true rich person. 
and any wealthy person on earth is really uh, nothing and, and actually poor compared to him. Right. So be caught up in Jesus, be caught up in his glory, be caught up in his beauty, and then you will see people more clearly uh, for the way we need to see them and not uh, be biased in an in a ungodly way or prejudiced or bigoted, but to actually uh, open our hearts and be compassionate to the unfortunate or the less fortunate. So this whole passage is about the problem, the sin, if you will, of partiality. Yeah. And um, another thought that comes to my mind is the last verse, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And the way that I see that is, you know, there's a place for justice uh, in Scripture, and justice is not necessarily contradictory to mercy. But sometimes there's a tension uh, between justice and mercy. But this passage is teaching that, that God's justice and, and justice itself is nested in the broader context of mercy. I always think of the, uh, the, the dolls that stack inside of each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a justice doll, but it's smaller than the mercy doll. Mm-hmm. You know, it fits down inside of it. And mm-hmm. mercy is the message. Mercy is the essence of God's heart for humanity. It's the essence of the good news of Jesus. It's about mercy. And mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy is something we're to love. And we are being challenged here by James to open our hearts and be merciful to uh, poor people, uh, unfortunate people, or you know, however that would be uh, defined. Yeah, in verse 12 it says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. And it seems here that that law of liberty is being equated with mercy. And it is the the old law with all of its rules and regulations was abolished when Jesus came. Now it's replaced by the law of liberty where mercy sits on the throne. That's pretty amazing to me. And, and of course, in the Old Testament, there were always, you know, overtures of mercy as well. God is merciful and compassionate in the Old Testament. But Jesus brings it into focus in a very clear way. And he brings love into focus because in, it, talk, it talks about uh, the royal law being loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And that that is uh, how we operate in order to live in mercy is to love our neighbor. And Paul said that fulfill, the fulfillment of the law is to love your neighbor. Jesus said it as well. When they, when they said to him, you know, how, you know, what's the most important commandment? And he talked about loving God and loving our neighbor. Now, I think it's also important to, to answer the question that, that they asked Jesus when he said this and quoted this commandment about loving your neighbor. They said, who is my neighbor? What a great question. You remember that? Mm-hmm, I do. And so he de- he answers the question, who is my neighbor? And he answers it in a very powerful story, uh, the, the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the story, he says, now go and do likewise. Your neighbor is uh, revealed in this story. Mm-hmm. And so the neighbor in the story is a Jewish man who's been beat up and robbed 
mm-hmm. and can't move. He's in the side of the road. And Jewish religious leaders walk by or ride by him and don't pay attention to him because apparently they're on their way to more important things, mm-hmm. right, in their religious duties. Mm-hmm. And so so now a good uh, a Samaritan comes by. The Samaritans were actually looked down upon by Jewish people in that day. They were less than. They were the poor in that sense. They were spiritually poor, at least. And Jesus had just been, in the, the chapter before, he had just been asked to leave Samaria. And James and John wanted to call fire down from heaven on them. And Jesus is saying, you don't know what spirit you're of. And then, in the next chapter, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. It's just so laced with irony and, and wonderful revealing of the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so the Good Samaritan takes an interest in the poor man and takes care of him. And so Jesus says, that's your neighbor. It's the person who is needy that comes into your world, mm-hmm. that's in your view by God's design and God's providence. It, I think I think the point I'm making is that sometimes we think we have to solve the problem of world poverty. Right. And we know we don't even know where to start. Well, I think that that question can even come out of that. Who is my neighbor? Like, how do I help everybody? How do I help everybody who needs something? And you can't. But you can help the person next to you, the person in your neighborhood, the person in your city that you're drawn to. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit because this is a this is a partnership you're in partnership with the Lord and he's leading you to the specific good works that he's prepared for you and that part of those good works is how how will you serve the poor and who will be the people that you will serve yeah and you can do that with confidence if you do it as a partnership with him yeah, and, and we're not called to necessarily solve all the problems of poverty in the world, but we can't allow that to paralyze us mm-hmm. from doing something. Yeah. And of course, Mother Teresa was the prime example of this. She said, don't try to do great acts of love. Do, uh, do acts of love with, uh, do, do acts, kind acts with great love. She mm-hmm. said, great love rather than great works. And I think about the parable of the loaves and fishes. To me, that's become a, a rule of thumb in my life of how I, when I feel overwhelmed with a problem that's way bigger than me, way bigger than I know how to handle. And there were 5,000 people that needed food, and it was lunchtime. And they, the disciples wanted to send everybody home because they didn't have food for them. And Jesus said, no, we'll, we'll feed them. And he just had them go and find what was available. They found a couple of fish and five loaves, and the Lord said, that'll do. He took what, what they had, not what they didn't have, but what they had, and they offered it up, and he did the miracle. Mm-hmm. He multiplied. He fed the 5,000, but they had to do their part of just offering what they had, the resources that were available to them. And we can all do that. Yeah. We all have a couple of fish and a few loaves that we can offer up in service to other people and do it with the Lord. Yeah, and I, if I remember correctly, at least in one of the Gospels, it says that Jesus was doing that out of compassion. He, oh, absolutely. He was 
moved with compassion because they were going to be hungry. And he was delighting in the fact that they would come out to yeah. hear him, you know. And yeah. He wanted them there. So loving our neighbor, you know, actually the word neighbor uh, is the same root word as nearby. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of times I think we, again, get paralyzed because we think we've got to help everybody. But we can overlook, like the religious leaders did in the story of the Good Samaritan, they overlooked the one who was right nearby. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a good place for us to start. You know, who's nearby that is needy? And let's get an ethic of compassion down deep in our hearts. I think another thing that happens is a lot of times we rationalize the problem of poor people. Right. And, and we blame the poor for their poverty in ways that may not really be right for us to do. There are, it's a very complicated issue, the problem of poverty in, I'm thinking of our country, I'm thinking of our cities, I'm thinking of the uh, urban core of our cities. And uh, I think it's just easy to justify inaction by blaming the poor for their poverty. I think so too. When that's not necessarily fair. You right. Know, and certainly not necessarily merciful. Right, exactly. So... May God help us and give us wisdom to know what it means to love our neighbor. Yeah, it says... Help the poor. It says in verse 4, Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Yeah. The Lord knows what we're thinking in the depths of our mind. Yeah. How we think that we've got the, the case sealed by our judgment of it. And I just don't think that it's that simple or right for us to have those judgments that they close the case for us so we don't feel responsible anymore but I feel like he's opening that case up and saying hey what about it and we are asking that of ourselves okay Lord what are you asking of us now we're re-upping our commitment to remember the poor in the ways that he's leading us to and I think that's that's a worthy calling I feel like he's been knocking on the door of our hearts to open the case up again to get us activated in new ways. And, you know, the the Bible does teach, uh, when it comes to poverty and riches, it teaches that the gospel that Jesus came, uh, especially to the poor, he's come to preach the gospel to the poor. And I think there's a way of uh, actually viewing the whole all of us as humanity, even if we have material goods, that there's a there's a need. We all are impoverished. We're all impoverished compared to him. Yeah. Absolutely. And so he's come to preach good news to the poor. And so even the rich need to see their poverty. Right. Right. And that's what he says in chapter one, let the rich man glory in his humiliation because his riches are going to pass away. So yeah, we all need Jesus. And Jesus came and he specially appealed to the poor and to the rich, but the rich had to humble themselves in order to get in on the kingdom. But for the poor, it was just a field day. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus has come, the kingdom is ours, there's good news, he's not not barring us from worship. It was a a high bar to worship at the temple. Uh, Poor people had a hard time coming up with the uh, funds in, in order to offer the sacrifices. And so it had become like a system that was corrupted. That's why Jesus turned over the, the tables of the money changers, because there was corruption yeah. in the, the system of worship. 
Mm-hmm. But now Jesus comes and it's for the poor, it's good news, it's all free. Yeah. Uh, it's the grace of God manifested yeah. in Christ. Yeah. So we all need mercy. We all need to be in that law of liberty and that not under condemnation. Yeah. for having been lawbreakers because we're all in that category. And we need and we need to, I think James' point has to do with being holistic. We need to open our eyes to blind spots we've had where we've neglected something important to God. We've neglected a value. And sometimes we justify the neglect by saying, oh, but we do this and this and this. We have this and this and this. And he said, no, it's whole. You've got to think holistically about your spirituality. So we have to open our eyes to areas where we've neglected uh, his heart Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. get attuned to his heart Mm -hmm. again. He says here, uh, James is saying to his hearers, um, verse 6, but you've dishonored the poor man. And I just wonder if we could, you know, pray about that together for... Oh, yeah. ourselves and for others, you know, that, that we would be careful not to dishonor the poor. Yeah. Lord, what does that mean to dishonor the poor? And what does it mean to honor them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To remember them, to pay attention to them. Yeah. So, Lord, we ask that you would search our hearts. And, Lord, that you would show us if there are any ways that we have dishonored the poor. Any ways that we are currently showing partiality. Any judgments that we have down deep that have closed the case, we invite you, Lord, to open it up and show us what's inside because we want to be free. We want to come under that law of liberty. We want to have hearts of mercy and we want to pay attention to what you care about. We want to give our attention equally to all people without partiality. So search our hearts and know us, Lord, and lead us in the way everlasting. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful mercy that is ours in Christ. Give us a heart of mercy like you have. Give us a heart of compassion like you have expose any lies that we've told ourselves about the poor that justify a dishonoring of the poor in this world. Oh Lord, have mercy on us and and help us to become more holistic in our understanding of spiritual life. Lord, we want to reflect your heart in every way that we can. Show us what it means to love our neighbor, Lord, and fulfill intentions for human life. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's uh, like a sword. It's sharp. It's powerful. It's living. It's active. And it goes down deep into the place where thoughts are formed and motivations purified. So we, we welcome that, Lord. We welcome that searchlight of the Holy Spirit. If you would like to be in touch with us, you can see us on Facebook at New Hope Community, Kansas City, and also our website, which is radius-group.org. So we'd love to hear from you if uh, you're new to the podcast.